0: That's the sound of a helicopter flying over Auckland City and it's a familiar sound but not so familiar if you're way out on Altea Great Barrier Island, well until now anyway.
1: Altea Great Barrier Islanders are worried they will go the same way as Waiheke Island with lots of helicopters buzzing around in their skies.
0: We have seen a flurry of helipad applications coming in
1: is just sort of a very poke in the eye moment which shows up a long-standing problem while not being consulted.
2: That's the growth of them and whether it's right in an environmental situation where we're in for people to commute by helicopter.
0: I'm Sharon Brett Kelly and today on The Detail, I'm talking to RNZ's Phil Pennington and Newsroom's business editor, Nikki Mando, about the fight over the surge of private helipads in Auckland. From the remote Altair Great Barrier Island to Waiheke and the popular city beaches. To see suddenly, and I'm not sure why this is happening, but we are a little bit concerned about the precedent that's being set here. This is about um, the rights of people and the environment itself to live at a quieter pace.
1: Even more concerning is there's no official monitoring, regulation or control of any of them.
0: We're down on Sentinel Beach, which is one of the Auckland, gorgeous Auckland city beaches. And you can see, from here, you can see the harbour bridge. It is quite spectacular, isn't it, Nikki? And across the Waitemata harbour is the Chelsea Sugar Factory. And there's, for a Monday afternoon, there are quite a few people out sunbathing, um, taking their lunch break on the beach here. The tide is high. But the reason we're here is not sunbathe is to to talk about helipads. so we're fa- out facing the water and on our right hand side are two what
2: look like boat sheds to me Nikki. So there's a little one which is very boat shed like and then there's quite a big boat shed but it's got a ramp um, but this is the boat shed that Rod Duke who is the owner founder of the Briscoe's group that he decided that he wanted to turn it into a helipad. He brought two or three properties above us here on the the hill. Rod Duke is a golfer, and he wanted to be able to get from his house to the out-of-town, the nice out-of-town golf courses. So he applied to get a permit to be able to turn his boat shed into a helipad. Have you ever watched Thunderbirds? Yes, I have. You know, when you were a kid and the Thunderbirds go (laughs) and the roof of the Thunderbirds shed rolls back and out comes the, I don't remember, was it a plane, a jet plane or something? I can't remember which one came out. But anyway, he wanted to do that. He was going to have this cool roof, which was going to roll back and his helicopter was going to take off, which is kind of cool. As long as it's not, you know, above your beach or next to your house, because This is at high tide, so there's water under the boat shed now. But at low tide, this is still beach. So people could be under there, or they could be kayaking. It's just, A, super dangerous, because it's, you know, actually above the beach. The helicopter could have tipped and hit children or people on the beach or kayakers. But the council just approved it. He applied for it. They didn't even notify it. So they didn't even... Um, say that the public had to have a say, and it's above a public beach. Why? Is it the Apparently rich famous
0: having different rules?
2: No, or? I don't think so. I think one of the weird things about helipads in the Auckland Council rules is that there are no rules around helipads. And first when I thought about that, I thought, this is the weirdest thing. But, you know, there probably are not rules about nuclear power stations in your back garden or coal mines, because I think at the time when the council wrote their rules... It just wasn't something that you thought about. People weren't thinking, oh, they're going to have a helipad in their back garden and they're going to go to golf or to work by helicopter. So you just sort of apply under rather generic rules. You still have to get per- a permit. But, you know, if you meet the noise criteria, and, of course, the noise criteria, if you average it out, is not much because it's one helicopter comes in and takes off and it's quite noisy at the time. But if you average that out over a whole day. It's not very much noise. No. And I think the maximum the maximums are to do with lawnmower noise. (laughs) So the helicopter noise in an urban setting is benchmarked against a lawnmower noise and the whole thing is a little bit sort of Mickey Mouse really. So he got permission, unnotified and then um, a group called the Cowwell Island Action Group they took a case um, to object to it and Eventually they won, but it was, a, I don't know, it was a big thing to do to take this case to stop him turning his boat shed into a helipad. There is another helipad on the other end of the beach. So if you look up there, there's a sort of promontory coming out at the... on well, the left-hand side, as we're looking at, at the beach. And you can see the flat area at the top. Yeah, That's and this is just, um, what, 50 metres away, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and probably 10 metres up, something yeah. like that. That was a local surgeon he worked at Auckland Hospital or somewhere, but he owned this house on the little promontory and he had a house at Pawanui, a holiday home, and he loved helicopters. So he got himself a little helicopter and permit to... I think he had six flights a week. Flights are sort of double flights, so an in and out. But then, of course, he moved away and it was, the house was bought by a local sort of property guy. He's really big retail. He owns a lot of the retail shops around here. A guy called Ben Cook. And he wanted a bigger helicopter. You can hear a helicopter coming yeah, in now. Of which, yeah, it'd be fascinating if it landed here. See if it, it does land <laughs> It'd be brilliant. So he was using the commercial helicopter people, which most people do. So you, it's like ordering an Uber. You order a helicopter, and it flies in. It lands on your helipad. You get in, and then it flies you to wherever you're going. And then it flies back to wherever it's come from. So one flight, in fact, is three helicopter flights if you're looking at it from an environmental perspective. And the council has never, as far as I know question the fact that they're using a much bigger helicopter than they've got a permit for. But it is... I had a friend who said that she was sort of underneath the cliff when their helicopter came in and her towel went into the water and all this sort of thing. But it would be very noisy, particularly these big commercial helicopters. What
0: do the locals think about it?
2: Well, they were pretty up in arms about the Rod Duke one. Mm. I spoke to Don Matheson, who is the co-chair of the Herb Bay Residents Association, and I think his feeling was... But apart from the one over the beach, which was obviously bonkers because it was so dangerous, that, you know, having one was not too bad. But there are at least three more applications that are in that he knows of just around here, and there are another two that he's heard of that might be put in. You can't... Not everybody, so I couldn't have a helipad in my house because to get to take off, I'd have to fly over other people's houses. You can only have a helipad in your house if you live on the coast. But, of course, mostly it's really rich people that live on the coast. Mm, so, especially around here. But probably everywhere in Auckland, I'm not well, sure. Yeah, that's, There's that's another great. one in Oraki an application, and Waiheke is absolutely chocker. Yeah, it has nearly
0: 50 helipads, yes. I understand. And someone predicted before long there'll be 100.
2: And now, of course, you've got Aotea Great Barrier, where there are... Five applications over there and the residents are up in arms saying we do not want to be another Waiheke. And of
0: course there's the high profile couple Anna Mowbray and Ali Williams who have applied and of course all sorts of ruptions in Westmere which is a suburb not too far from here.
2: Yes, so theirs is a little bit like the, the Auckland Surgeon that we talked about before so it's a, a little sort of promontory coming out into the sea over in Westmere there's a marine reserve down the bottom, but it's, there's not a beach like we've got here. It's more sort of mudflats at low tide. But it's lots of kayakers and kite surfers and things over there. And they bought their house for $24 million, I think. Um, so Ali Williams is the rugby player, as I'm sure you know. And Anna Mowbray is one of three siblings that own the Zuru Toys Company. So, they, again, they're very successful business people, work a lot up in China. And her brothers, they own what used to be the dot-com mansion you know that one up in Coatesville. so they own that and while i don't know it's not in the application that they want to be able to fly from westmere to Coatesville to go to work so to speak at the dot-com mansion the suspicion is that you know it's almost like a commuting helicopter and it's just should we be commuting by helicopter so there's a bigger thing not just this particular helipad but it's the growth of them, and whether it's right in an environmental situation where we're in for people to commute by helicopter. Well, They've applied for flights every day, two flights coming in and coming out um, every day.
0: And so is it the environmental impact that is worrying people? Is that the number one thing for
2: objectors? I think there are lots, you know, like the protests. You know, There are. there's the environmental thing, which is strong. The council is coming out saying we all should be going on public transport um, on the one hand, and on the other hand, they're just willy-nilly um, allowing people to get a helipad so they can travel everywhere by helicopter. There's the, the noise, which is considerable um, for the neighbours. You have to get your neighbours to sign off. There is a feeling that sometimes... There are deals done with neighbours. I have no idea whether that's the case in this case, probably not. But, you know, that you can kind of go, hey, I'll, you can use my helicopter from time to time or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and neighbours give permission. Um, and, of course, it's forever. Once you've got a pad on your land, it doesn't expire, a permit. You can land forever.
0: Phil Pennington was looking into the Parliamentary Select Committee hearings on a bill to overhaul the Civil Aviation Act when he came across the Waiheke residents making submissions on helicopters.
1: Well, you had two members of the local board and Kim Waduka, who is the founder of Quiet Sky Waiheke, which is an NGO that's been going for about a year. They were saying to the MPs, we have tried at a local level to get action. We've tried with CIA. We've tried to get this held through the Environment Court with Auckland Council. Now we're calling on you to actually use the law change to take it to the big hammer and bring the hammer down to force change so that it's not what they see as a free-for-all of helicopters. And they're referring to Waiheke, but there's a wider experience of this. It was local board chair, Kath Handley, she said it's Not Not
0: uncontrolled. It is out of control. It's extremely dangerous.
1: So they're saying you could actually use this overhaul of the civil aviation bill to... Change the way this is regulated, basically, so that locals' interests and amenity, you know, um, the, their lifestyles, and that is not is taken into more account. And because they're, part of their thing is that they are saying that CAA, the Civil Aviation Authority, is largely absent on this, um, and that the councils are under resourced on it, and so you've got this gap.
0: We want the council to just review um, where these helicopters pads are because we've got over forty and the number of flights we want them to better regulate and to monitor. Secondly, we're looking for the Civil Aviation Authority to impose restrictions on flights
1: over the island. They also raise a safety thing. Kim Whitaker actually quite skywaiheke. He recounted a couple of anecdotes of one of a small child who was playing in a, by a helipad and waki he got blown into the fence, and another where some vineyard workers told him that um, their clothes, which they'd taken off while they were picking, got sucked up into the draft, the chopper, as was either landing or taking off. It, it's not just the landings and the takeoffs and the helipads, but also the comings and goings. But the nub of it is this proliferation of helipads.
0: So, in terms of why these authorities, the CAA, the council, are not doing more. Is it resistance or is it more a resourcing issue? You know, it's seen as a small matter compared with the other things that they have to deal with.
1: It's certainly a resourcing issue. The um, documents from the council to the local boards who are raising these concerns in December say, we have so much on our plate from central government, it's not efficient to get to this. And there's a review of the Unitary Plan, Auckland Unitary Plan, in 2026. They're saying, hold on for that. We'll take a look at this then. But Kim Monica told MPs, is quiet sky lobby group. Said, oh. Within five years, there could be over 100 helipad stroke heliports on the island. Even more concerning is there's no official monitoring, regulation or control of any of them. The Waiheke problem has been known about for months and quite a few stories last year we got new information on that in the sense that the approach to the select committee but also that one of the vineyards among the five applicants they've currently got had pulled out obsidian vineyards has just withdrawn its bid for a helipad its new owner, Charlotte Lockhart, says it was not a hard decision.
2: Most of my neighbours have helipads. Only one of them really uses it. But realistically, from, from our perspective, it was like, this is clearly something the community don't want.
1: So they pulled out. And it was RT of great barrier that was interesting because they had five in five months. And so they're going, like, the local board, which is the woman called Izzy Fordham, so she said, well, what's going on?
0: We have seen a flurry of... Helipad applications coming in. Since September, that was the first. November, we had another. December, another. January, another. And another one this month. Four of those applications are in the same row.
1: One of them that has been approved has got two helipads on it. When I say helipad, this is often the big open grass area. They yeah. don't build a big, you know, thing like Thunderbird. Yes. The grass. I don't know if they put a target on it. Maybe they do, but anyway, they've got two, and that's the one on Grey Road. But the other four are all on just one road, Greenside Road, which is on the far east, around from Midlands Beach, which is the main beachy area. Right. The problem is, is that these are they're on a very low level within the ranking of council. Uh, planning permissions, they sit on a rung where they aren't publicly notified. In other words, they don't tell people. So they have to do an environmental impact assessment, which they provide, but then essentially the the council um, only has been looking at it from an acoustic thing Um, and then it shows in the council reports that basically whatever the applicant suggests in terms of how many flights there should be, the council pretty much goes along with it and they don't look at the cumulative effect.
0: Pennington points out that under current regulations, helipads are restricted discretionary activities on the Hauraki Gulf Islands, and that means the public does not have to be notified.
1: So Waiheke is really unusual in that it's it's very well healed, it's very close to the city, and so that's why you've got almost 50 helipads, and it's got a lot of economy, it's got the vineyards and tourism, right? Then Aotea Great Barrier to North is its own unique thing because it's so actually isolated with only to have the the ferry and it has the little airport uh, and not many people living on it at all. So it's like the polar opposite. And yet to see choppers and helipads then moving into that and the people there are saying these applications have been lodged without the applicants seeking any community feedback. They're not happy about that And I, was, I just was looking at some of the applications that have just been sent through to me by the council. So I've gone to a couple of the planners. They won't talk. They can't because they're clients. But, you know, these are people. There's a cardiologist whose partner is a Renuera real estate agent by the look of it. There's someone who's a top landscape. So these are the people who have applied for the helipads. Right. Um, so as you said, you know, these are very well-held people and people on tier not a funeral, others are saying, well, one, we're not even learning that these are happening, but these people who are applying would be courtesy to come and talk to the locals, especially in a place like that, that, as you say, is so beautiful and so different. The stuff with the hapu and the iwi, is, it's actually really pretty interesting because that's the Ngāti Rehua. They're, they're very concerned, and talking to uh, the resident archaeologists out there on this lack of consultation, he's extremely concerned, and the helipads is just sort of a very poke-in-the-eye moment which shows up a long-standing problem of not being consulted.
0: Both Mando and Pennington say that Auckland Council wants to hold off changing the rules until the review of the unitary plan in 2026. But the opposition on Altea Great Barrier Island could be a tipping point to getting something done sooner.
1: The thing to bear in mind is just that the Council is saying we're under-resourced. And for them, they've got a huge amount on their plate with the all the national policy statements from government, urban development, you know, yeah. intensification, fresh water. For the Auckland Council, this must be worse than a mosquito in the ear just now. because And because people really like helicopter stories, as we just pointed out, and because there's an element of envy, I can't put it any other way, not from the people who are directly affected, I hasten to add, but I think from the public who like these stories, it's partly because it's like, oh my goodness, look at what the rich people are doing now. You know, there's that element to it.
0: Exactly. So
1: it gets gets a greater profile than it really probably deserves. And for the council, that's a headache because they've got so many other things. Now, on on Aotea Great Barrier, they are currently, the locals, and currently drawing up a petition to call for the council to put a moratorium on um, any more consents. I would imagine if they got that for Aotearoa Great Barrier, that would, you imagine, apply also a moratorium to Waiheke and, and the city.
0: Is it a case of the council just struggling to keep up with the the changes that are going
2: on in Auckland, the growth, that kind of thing? One of the things is, under the plan, I think the plan's got a few years to go, and it's really expensive to make a change to the plan, so I think what they're kind of saying is, Oh, let's just stick it out until we change the plan. But the local board has come out saying that they recommend banning all future helipads in the central city. Mm-hmm. Um, they've also said, If we can't have that, at least notify them. So, notifying is when the locals get a chance to have a say, and at the moment, it's Totally mad that they are approved without even notifying the project. They just go. Some town planner goes, "Yep, that sounds fine." Ticks it, and that's it, finished. But I think there are so many now, and I suspect the reason we've had a big spate of them is that people are going, "Let's get them in before there is a change." You know, five in our Tia Great Barrier is probably because they want to get them in quick. You know, more in Waikiki Island. Let's get ours approved, and then when people start getting strict, we've already got one.
1: I think the pads now could be a straw here that breaks... Not breaks the cameras back, but certainly now the Council is showing signs of getting a bit antsy about this, because in December they were pushing back. Now they've got this new report coming from their Council Planning Offices at the end of the next month, and that will be key not only for Aotea Great Barrier, but for Waiheke, and not only for Waiheke, but for... The city side, where, of course, choppers are and pelly pads are controversial too, although there's far fewer of them, because that will potentially say you must, even if you don't formally push it up another rung in the planning, they will say to council officers, you must take wider than just the noise and you must look at the cumulative impact and we're going to make it notifiable to the public. Once you do that, of course, then you're going to raise the thing of more complaints objections. Yeah.
0: And just a note, that report from Auckland Council Planners is due at the end of this month. Well, that's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism funded through NZ On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Sarah Robson. Ka kite anō.